Thank you for listening to the Paradigm Podcast. Paradigm is a young adult ministry that exists to see lives changed by Jesus. For more information about Paradigm, go to ParadigmKC.com. We hope this message is inspiring and life-changing. Thanks for listening. copy of God's Word. Once you find the book of Acts chapter 1 is where we're going to be at tonight. Acts chapter 1. We're just going to be looking at one verse, teasing it and just pulling it apart like a good pork butt that you just pulled off the smoker, just getting everything off of that one bone. It's going to be a good night. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. We are kicking off a brand new series called Here and There. Here and There. What we're going to be doing over the next couple of weeks is we're going to be talking about this thing that God has presented to us and that we've jumped on the opportunity and the thing that God has presented to us is to multiply paradigm in the city. And so we are like right on the edge of doing a new thing. And in this series, we're going to be talking about how God has called us to be a certain type of person, both here and there, because here's the plan. When it comes to the movement of God, it's always been about multiplication, But somewhere along the way, in the American church primarily, you begin to see growth by addition. What I mean by that is that people would come to spaces like this and they would be like, oh, wow, we got a lot of people coming and, and uh, we're, we're at capacity. And so in order for us to reach more people, we're going to have to, you know, bulldoze this building and build a bigger building and, and, then, and then we'll fill that one up and then we'll just keep adding, adding and adding. But what we found over the last few years is that if you're really going to grow a biblical thing, It's going to need to be growth through multiplication. What I mean by that is that God wants to empower you and I with a mission that can be replicated wherever we are. In Acts chapter one, there's this verse that says that you're going to receive the, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you're going to be my witnesses. This is Jesus talking. You're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem. That was there here. He says in Judea, that was a there into Samaria. That was a there. And he says, and to the ends of the earth, even over there that he's saying, you're going to be my witnesses here and there and there. And he calls us to this mission that is meant to be multiplied and meant to grow with exponential growth. And so we're just following what the book says, and we are multiplying paradigm in the city in May. And I'm so excited. Now, before we get there, listen, when it comes to us living on mission, and it comes to us just reading the book and trying to do what it says, this is something that has been near and dear to the heart of the followers of God ever since Jesus stepped onto the scene of human history. So it shouldn't surprise you when you come into a place like this and we say, man, we really believe that this is God's word, that we're reading it, taking it literal, and trying to do what it says. And the play has been really, really simple ever since paradigm started. It's to call young adults to lay down their life and follow Jesus and to be witnesses for him, to take their next steps and follow him all of the days of their life. And paradigm, it it began back in 2014. Actually, a college roommate of mine, a guy named Josiah Jones, he was called by this church from Texas and he moved his family up here and he started this thing called paradigm. And it never really, it didn't really start this way, but it always had the vision that it would be Paradigm KC. I actually brought a couple of pictures so you can see what it was like in the early days. You can see a picture right here. That this, is, was, this was one of the first meetings. There's just a handful of young adults. It wasn't even called Paradigm yet. It was back in the day when it was called Merge. And they were gathering, not in this space, but they were gathering in a space just across the parking lot. There's an auditorium in that building, but they were actually gathering in the lobby space. You can see them having a worship service in this next picture right here. And they're singing, having a worship service, I think in the next picture. Anyway, it's not there. So there is a picture with the worship service. And so what was neat, I was looking back at Josiah's post and he posts a photo of them having a worship service. And the tagline says this, it was this guy's first time to lead worship. 
And so you get the picture right, just a handful of young adults gathering in the lobby of a building at the church with a guy that's just learning how to lead worship, not like these fantastic musicians that have honed and skilled their trade that led us in the heart of worship tonight, but a guy that's just learning, this kind of ragtag bunch of young adults that have come together and they said, man, we want to start something new in Kansas City. We want to start this thing called Paradigm. And that began in 2014. The book of Zechariah says this in the Old Testament. It says that we're not to despise small beginnings. It says, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. And tonight we're standing upon the legacy of those that have gone before us. And the mission has been the same. And what's happened over the years is one by one, young adults have taken their next step. Some has, have placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord and their saviors. Others, and they already knew Christ when they met Paradigm or they came into this ministry and, and they begin to take their next steps. We've seen young adults go, go to the mission field. We've seen young adults go into ministry. We've seen, seen young adults get so madly in love with Jesus Christ that it impacts the way that they seek a marriage partner. It impacts the way that they start a family. It impacts the way that they impact society. And this has been the play ever since we started Paradigm, that God has done in, in, in extraordinary and incredible things. And the commitment has been this. The commitment has been to faithfully call young adults to reach young adults with the gospel that I believe that is incumbent upon every generation to reach their generation with the gospel that we have been faithfully calling young adults to, 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 to pastor their peers. We've been faithfully calling young adults to, to see the gospel as worth giving your life to and to follow Jesus with everything and every fiber of your being. That we've been calling you to reach the greatest unreached people group in America, and that's the millennials and the Gen Zers. And God's done nothing short of a miracle. That he's caused us or he's allowed us to see hundreds of young adults over the years give their life to Jesus, to follow Jesus, and to have their life changed by him. But we're standing on the precipice of another opportunity. And as amazing as these last few years have been, and as we've seen this, this thing that grew just from a handful of young adults that were committed to follow Jesus to everything that is here today, we're standing at the precipice of another opportunity because, listen, we haven't reached our generation for Christ. And I think that God wants to take new ground. I think that God wants to do a new thing and that we are standing at this opportunity where we get to replicate all that we have seen in a new space. And we also get to continue to stoke the flames and the fire of what's going on here. And I believe that the days of paradigm and the days of abundant life and young adult ministry in this area, the days are not, the best days aren't behind us. The best days are to come that God's doing a new work. Amen. And he's doing something amongst us and he's wanting you to get involved in a new way. And he's also wanting to reach more young adults for Christ in the city. And I believe that this year is going to be a banner year where God does some amazing things in and through us. When we picked the name for this ministry, Paradigm, it was named after a good friend of mine named John Randalls, a ministry that he started in Texas. And, and the, the ethos of Paradigm, or the, the reason why it's called Paradigm is because everyone has a paradigm or a way of life, a methodology of life. And so we wanted to invite young adults to question their way of life and to offer them a biblical paradigm or a biblical way of life. And we called it Paradigm KC because we had a vision, even though, even when it started here in Lee Summit, back in the day, we had a vision that this would be a ministry that would reach young adults in the Kansas City area. 
I met people here tonight from Topeka, Kansas. I met people here tonight from Gladstone. I've got people here tonight from OP. We got people here from Johnson County and Jackson County. We unite in the states, y'all. I got people here from all over the Kansas City area, and God has allowed us to reach Kansas City, and we are not done yet. That God has a new work, and he wants us to continue to do these things in this space here, but also there. And by his grace, we're seeing young adults come from all over. It was 2017 when we began to really look at places in the city. We believed that the people that got to the city first and won the heart of the young adults in the city, we believed that they would have the greatest impact. And so me and my buddy Josiah, back in the day, we, we start looking at properties, places that we can lease, places that we could own, and, and we start exploring this. And in 2020, in the midst of a pandemic, we come upon this place at 1840 Cherry. It's an old plumbing warehouse, and by God's grace and by the generosity of people that sit in the seats that you're sitting in on Sunday mornings, they gave, and they gave generously. They gave lavishly, and we paid for it in cash for this building. And then we begin the, the renovations, and we begin the preparations so that we could start having church in the crossroads. And by God's grace, this is the year that we get, the op- we get to open the doors, ready the troops, and start doing a new work in Crossroads Arts District, the heart of Kansas City. And so on April 9th, we'll start having church on Sunday morning. And then May 30th, we're going to replicate paradigm in the city. God's given us an opportunity to witness here. And he is continuing to give us an opportunity to witness here. But he's calling us to multiply there. That we've got to stoke the flame and we've got to stoke the movement here. And then we've got to ready the troops and we've got to ready the people to go there. If you're taking notes, I've titled this message, Witnesses to the World. Witnesses to the World. Because that's what God has called us to do. It doesn't matter where you are per se that the call of God is location independent. You can do it wherever you're at. And I've titled this message, Witnesses to the World. And here's what I want you to see from God's word. I want you to see why we need to witness. I want you to see what a witness actually does. And I want you to see where we're gonna witness. If you don't know much about Jesus, he's the MVP of Christianity. He's the biggest deal that's ever walked in human society. He's the son of God, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, and he died a sinner's death on a cross. Three days later, he rose again. He taught some amazing things during his ministry. He did some amazing things in his ministry to help people, to serve people. He related to people. He walked with people. He talked with people. If you want to know what God's like, look no further than the God man, Jesus Christ himself. And when Jesus stepped onto the scene, he did some incredible things. He, he taught things that have now become the reforms of society. But the greatest thing that he did was that he conquered sin and death on the cross, rose from the grave. And then he's got these guys, we know them as his disciples or his apprentices. And he gets them together just before he's about to go recline up in heaven next to his daddy. And he says this to him in Acts chapter one, verse eight. He says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem that was here for them. In all of Judea and Samaria, that was a there for them. And to the end of the earth, that was a way over there for them. Point number one, if you're taking notes, you could write this down. Why do we need a witness? Why do we need a witness? Listen, we need a witness because the world is hopelessly lost in their sin and desperately needs to be united with Christ. 
I don't know if you ever read the Bible and you're like, like if you ever kind of create dramatic pauses where, where like, and just try to imagine yourself in the story, like Jesus has got you, you know, imagine you're there in the huddle and Jesus is down like this. He's like, guys, guys, listen, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and they're like, the Holy Spirit, the one that you've been promising us, you know, and he's like, yeah, yeah, the one I've been promised you. And they're like, the Holy Spirit, the one that's given you the power to do all the things that you've been doing, Jesus. He's like, yeah, it's like, like we, me and the Holy Spirit, we like this. And God, the father, we all like this, right? Like the Holy Spirit, he's going to indwell you. They're like, all right, all right. And then what are we going to do? He's like, when the Holy Spirit indwells you, y'all are going to go out and they're like, overthrow the Roman empire. And he's like, no. And, he, and they're like, okay, then we're going to build some hospitals and do a lot of good for people. He's like, well, sort of, but, but not, not primarily and like, all right, we're going to, we're going to overthrow the court system and get, and we'll get social justice. And then we're going to overthrow the political system and get social reform. And he's like, well, it, this will impact that, but no, 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 no. And, and, and I don't know if you ever just kind of just think like that. And then Jesus is like, guys, 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 here's what you're going to do. They're like, all right, what's the plan? What's the plan? He's like, you're going to receive power to be my witnesses. And if, if I'm his guys, I'm like, what, what about walking on water, bro? Like, what about feeding the thousands? What about raising the dead? Can we do that? And he's like, witnesses. The plan is for y'all to be witnesses. Like, think about that. That's the plan. The great commission is to go make disciples. The, the great commission in Acts 1-8 is to, is to be a witness this is the plan. Why is it so significant to Jesus? Because Jesus understands what all of us need to understand. That the world is hopelessly lost in their sin. That if you are not right with Jesus, you're not right with God, your maker. If the only way for you to be right with God is through a relationship with Jesus, the son of God. And if you die separated from God, if you die having rejected Jesus, you stand condemned for your sin. Listen, hospitals are great. Political reform is great. Social justice is great. We, we need all of those things. But if we give somebody justice and we give somebody a good social reform and we give somebody a Band-Aid, and we don't give them Christ, they still die at the end of the day and they perish in hell. The reason why we need a witness is because if you die separated from God, then you die forever separated from God. Why do we need a witness? Because people die every day not knowing the love of God Almighty that many of you know intimately. There's this really disturbing passage in Ezekiel. Um, if you don't know much about the Bible, Ezekiel, he was a prophet in the Old Testament and, and, and really a, a bizarre life that that guy lived. And, and, and he gets this vision from God and God speaks to him and, and he basically just says this in Ezekiel 3. He says that if you see somebody in their sin, they will surely die. And he says if you don't warn them to turn from their sin, then their blood will be on your hands. that those of you that know Jesus Christ will be accountable for what you did to tell people about Jesus Christ. 
And he tells Ezekiel, he, he says, he kind of sets the record straight. He says, but if you see someone in their sin and you tell them to turn from their sin and they don't, they will surely die, but their blood will not be on your hands. That the call of the prophet Ezekiel is upon all believers tonight. That we're called to be witnesses. And if we don't witness, listen, people don't meet Jesus. And if you know Jesus, God has placed you as his representatives to witness to people about Christ. He says this in 2 Corinthians 5. He says that you are his ambassador. That's somebody that, that speaks and represents a foreign land. You, if you are in Christ, you are his ambassador. And the main application of that title in the believer's life is that you therefore implore people, you persuade people, you convince people to be reconciled to God. If somebody is going to miss Jesus around you, may they have to step over you to go to hell. Why do we need a witness? Because the world's broken, man. It doesn't take a sociologist to see the brokenness in the world. And out of all of the good things that we could give our life to, and out of all the noble tasks that could get us a, a Nobel Peace Prize, out of all of the things, the greatest ambition for your life, believer, the greatest thing that you could give your life to, the greatest purpose and passion, the greatest thing that you could win in the influence game, the greatest thing you could give your life to is to share Christ with those around you. We need a witness. If you don't tell them, then who will? Why do we need a witness? Because you're God's plan A. And there is no plan B. When you receive the power of the Holy Spirit, when it comes upon you, when you become a Christian, Jesus says, you will be my witnesses. This is the birthright of the believer. That God has called you to be marked with boldness. He's called you to share the greatest message that was ever told. He says this in Acts 1.8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses, or you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem. That was here, and, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That's over there. Point number two, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Well, what does a witness do exactly? If I need to be a witness, if it's so important, what exactly is the witness doing? Well, here's what a witness does. A witness shares their account of what they have seen Jesus do personally, heard from his word, or experienced in their life. Let me put it simply for you. A witness shares about Jesus in word and in walk. In word and in walk. A witness shares about Jesus in word. Have you ever witnessed something good? I'm sure you have. I was together with some of my friends in the crossroads this weekend. We're actually we're meeting at UMKC's campus, and, and we had a friendly debate, and I bet you could contribute to this debate. I just threw out them, hey, what's the best barbecue in Kansas City? You know, and, and here comes the, the chatter, right? Is it, is, is it Slaps? Is it Gates? Is it KC? I mean, is it LC's or is it Joe's? You know, like, it's just like we start talking about it. Why is it this? Is, is, it, is it Q39 if you, if you bougie? You know what I'm saying? Is it Q39 or is it, is it something else? You know, we start talking about barbecue. And, and, I, and I like to do this from time to time because in Kansas City, we love our barbecue. But ain't nothing better than the brisket in Texas. Holler. Anyway, thank you. And so, um, and so anyway, sorry, sorry. But 
up, we've talked about barbecue, and here's the point, and this is the point I made with them. You know how to witness something. You know how to experience something and how to testify to the barbecue, right? You could tell me what place to go, what time to go, what to order on the menu, and what type of sauce. Should I get the spicy sauce, the regular sauce, or the tangy? I mean, you can tell me what to do with everything. You can get down to the detail. Now, you may not be a barbecueologist, but you can tell me enough information, and you can testify and you can witness to the goodness of the barbecue. In word, you open your mouth and you tell me. And if I'm buying, you tell me even more. You know what I'm saying? And what I shared with them and what I would share with you is that you have proven that you have the ability to experience something enjoyable and then to witness to someone else about it. See, I think that when it comes to like sharing our faith, when it comes to witnessing and word, we kind of have created this dichotomy in the church where you have people that share their faith and that's like upper crust Christianity. Like, wow, like he's a varsity Christian. Like you see all those patches, like shared the faith, you know, like you like, wow. And then there's like this other JV Christian, the person that's just like, you know, I, I just, that's just not my thing. You know, I just don't do that. I'll never witness. Now I'm not saying that you have to be the, the, you know, big evangelist that's out there sharing the gospel with everybody all the time, that sort of thing. But I am saying this, that every believer should be witnessing in word to the work of Jesus Christ in their life, their testimony to the work of Jesus Christ in the world, the gospel. And you should be witnessing to the goodness of God if you know him. This is the call on your life. I was meeting with a guy this weekend and, and he was just so up, he was so in his head. I don't know if you ever get that way where you start like thinking things and then you start believing the things you're thinking and then you get a little scared about the things that you're thinking and believing, you know? And, and so he came to me, he's like, man, I need some help. And, and I'm like, what's going on? He's like, man, I'm just having suicidal ideation. And I'm so anxious. And, uh, and I just, I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to like be at church and stuff, but it's just not working. And so we sat down and I began to process the main message of the Bible or the gospel with him. And I just asked him, I said, hey, if my 11-year-old daughter was here and she asked you, how do you go to heaven, what would you say? And he was like, oh, man, uh, you, you need to be a good person. And, um, and you, should, uh, you, um, you, should, uh, you should listen to your dad. He seems like a good guy. I'm like, yeah, that's a good one, yeah. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, and maybe, like, maybe you read the Bible or something. I'm like, all right, bro, hey, thank you so much. Those are really good answers but they're just not biblical ones. Can I explain to you the gospel? And I begin to witness to him the main message of the Bible. We call it the gospel bridge, where I lay out to him what Romans 6.23 says, where it says the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And I tell him, like, man, what you're saying, it's like, it's so common. And, 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 and really, I get what you're saying, that there's a thought inside of me oftentimes where I think, you know what, I think I could be good enough to get to God if I just kind of button things up and, and, you know, if I get better. But, but the Bible just says that no one is good. And I said, and what happens oftentimes is we just kind of create a religious system and we think, okay, I'm going to be religious enough to get to God. I said, the problem is, is the Bible says that you can't get to God, that God sent his son Jesus to die for our sin and three days later to rise again. And if we confess with our mouth that he's the Lord, and if we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we'll be saved. I got to process with him, and, and for him, he said that he had done that before, but he had forgotten the basics of the Bible. 
And I think that many of us have come in here tonight and the reason why we don't witness in word is because, because we don't have clarity on what the word says. And if you don't have clarity about how someone can go to heaven, then how would you be confident about how you're going to heaven? And if you don't have clarity about how someone can go to heaven, how would you be confident to share how they can go to heaven? But listen, if you don't know how to lead somebody to Christ, you can learn. You're old enough to learn how to do really basic things in life, like drive. You know, when you get married, you're old enough to learn how to procreate, okay? I mean, these are big things. You don't have to know all the stuff, but you know enough, I'm sure. A mark of maturity, spiritually, is that you know how people are born again. And if you don't know how to lead somebody to Jesus, but you know Jesus, man, let's change that. You'll never be a faithful witness if you don't know how to witness in word. And I would love to teach you how to share the gospel. That'd be one of my greatest joys. We have a whole team that would love to teach you how to share the gospel and share your testimony. That we're called to witness. And what, what a witness does, what a witness is, is someone that tells someone about Jesus in word and also in their walk. Does your life, if you're a Christian, does your life match your lips? If somebody found out that you were a Christian and they went with you to the parade on Wednesday, come on, I'm getting personal, would they be like, oh yeah, he's acting like a Christian out here. She's acting like a Christian out here. Or would they be confused? Does your walk match your talk? Philippians chapter two says this, so that no one can criticize you, live clean, innocent lives as children of God. I love that. Shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. So run a quick diagnostic. If you're gonna be a witness to the world, how's your walk? Do you treat people the way that Jesus would have you? Do you consume what Jesus would consume? Uh, do, you get, do you get stirred up by the things that stirred Jesus up? Does your walk match your talk? And listen, we need a generation of bold witnesses to the mighty works of Jesus. We need a generation of people who will be faithful where God has them to share the only hope for salvation. We need a fresh outpouring of the knowledge of Jesus so that we can share Christ accurately. We need a fresh outpouring of the Spirit of God so that we can share Jesus boldly. And we need a fresh calling to the holiness of God so that we can share Christ with integrity. We need some witnesses. I'm calling you out tonight, Paradigm. I'm calling this generation up that you would open your mouth and you would boldly proclaim the mysteries of the gospel. And I'm praying that God would give you that sort of burden and that sort of boldness so that you would go fearlessly make known that you would have a ferocious commitment to the sharing of Christ because this is the only hope for mankind. Jesus said, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Point number three, if you're taking notes, and finally, you can write this down. Well, where do we witness? Why do we need a witness? Well, people are dying separated from God. What does a witness do? They share, pe they share with people about Jesus in their walk and in their word. Well, where exactly do they do that? Listen, Jesus called his followers to witness both in their here and over there that they were literally in Jerusalem when Jesus said this. And so it's like he's saying to this small group of people, he's saying like, you're gonna stay here and then you're gonna be emboldened to be my witnesses. And some of you are gonna stay here 
and others of you I'm going to call to go over there. And the goal is that you would witness wherever you are, that you would witness everywhere. And what happens in the book of Acts is sure, sure enough, the spirit falls on the people and they begin to boldly witness. And they begin to boldly tell people about Jesus is the only hope for humanity. And God begins to call people to Judea and he calls people to Samaria and he calls people by Acts 8, people are to the ends of the earth. Now, I don't know if you read the Bible and you think, okay, like what was the strategy behind that? Like, like how did they decide who was going to stay in Jerusalem and who was going to go to Judea? And then did they, did they draw straws for Samaria? And then who did they go? And, and you're going to go to the ends of the earth. Like, I, and I, I don't know how they did that. Like, I, I, don't, I don't really know in the Bible if there was like a, a meeting after the meeting and they begin to strategize and plan. Uh, I, maybe they had a meeting like this. They were like, let's gather on Tuesday night and, and let's begin to hunt real estate in, in that city or let's begin to send a group of people out to that college campus. I'm not real sure. I don't, I don't know if they had a strategy where they mined sociological data and then they hired a consultant company to help them market things better and then they presented charts and bar graphs to their people. I don't know if it was that complex or if it was a lot simpler than that. I don't know. And none of those things are wrong. Complex isn't wrong. Simple isn't better. All I know is that I read that they witnessed where they were and God led them to other places and they witnessed in those places. We're planning on replicating paradigm in the city May 30th. It'll be the last Tuesday night of May. And we're beginning to call people to prepare yourselves to go into the city. But here, here's the deal. We need people to stay here in Lee Summit. Like the goal is for us to send a minority to the city and to keep the majority here because we only have about 600 seats in the city. And if we have 600 seats in the city and there's about 600 of y'all here tonight, if all we did was uproot everybody from here and go there, then we have it multiplied, all right? We've just moved, all right? We are replicating. And so here's what we need to do. We need you to consider staying in Jerusalem. And then others of you, we need you to consider going to the city or Judea, Samaria. And, and we're gonna have a combination when we go into the city. It's gonna be a combination of, of live preaching and, a, and of streaming in both locations. We're gonna be one paradigm in two locations, meeting on Tuesday nights, moving forward. And our strategy is simple and it's biblical. We wanna see lives changed by Jesus. We wanna be living proof of a loving God to a watching world. We wanna be witnesses both here and there. And maybe you're sitting there thinking, man, how, how do I know which place to go? I've had conversations with many of you and many of you are processing this. And, and, and I loved one of my guys, a guy named Joseph. He just said, man, I can go in either place. It's 10 minutes there, it's 10 minutes here. And he just says, man, I'll go anywhere. I'll do whatever you need me to do. Just put me where you want me. And I love that disposition. And many of you, when it comes to making a decision, here's a few things that you, can, you could do. How do you make the decision on where to go? Well, you need to pray. Ask God. Man, if God tells you to do something, do it. Pray. Seek the Lord. God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to spend my life? Where do you want me to be a witness? And then think practically. Like if you're living in Harrisonville, you may not be called to the city, all right? I'm just like, don't drive by here to get down there, all right? Um, but, but if you're living in, in the crossroads, like, like don't, 
maybe don't drive here. Like think practically. If you work in the city, maybe that should be where you go. If you work here in the burb, like in something, maybe this is where you should go. Like think practically. And then seek wisdom in community. Ask the people that are in your life that you're seeking wise counsel from. The Bible says where there are many advisors, the plans are sure to succeed. Ask them, like, where, you know, here's what I'm thinking. They may be like, oh, bro, that's not a good idea. Like, you are rubbing two pennies together. You've been eating ramen noodles and sleeping on my couch. You can't afford the fuel to go. You know, like, you, like you need somebody just to keep it straight. You know what I'm saying? And then the last thing is just make a decision. I think sometimes we can get so worked up about, God, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? And I think God's like, be a witness. <laughs> Wherever. It's not like you're praying, God, do you want me to go to the crack house or the church house, all right? We're not doing good and evil here, all right? Like, it's like, God, what do you, what do you want me to do? He's like, be a witness in either place. To witness for Christ, it's location independent. And I just want to remind you of what Jesus is saying. He's saying, you be a witness where you are. Be where you are. You be a witness in Jerusalem. Some of you are going to go to Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Jesus has us focused not on the location, but the imperative is on the mission. That God wants to use you. He wants to use this generation wherever you are. And and that's going to lead some of you to stay here. That's going to lead others of you to go there. And I'm praying that that will lead some of you to move your life to another continent. That you would follow in the footsteps of young adults that have gone before us. And that are going among us to the nations. That our heart's posture is God. I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything. Just put me where you want me. And the emphasis is on the witness of Christ. Because here's the reality. People are floundering. And they're flopping around. Because they're not connected with their savior. A a lot of you have been wondering why I've got these fish up here all night. And, um, I don't know if you are a fish lover. I think some of you are, I think some of you out there have aquariums and tanks and, and, um, I want to give you a memorable illustration. So I want you to think about this fish as, as like somebody that you know, okay? And in the world, we were all made to be enveloped by God's presence. So as a fish is to water, so we should be to God. But the Bible teaches that sin separated us from God. And it's like a fish that's out of water. And a lot of us, we think, you know what, I'm going to help this fish out by feeding them. Or you know what, I don't want to be too judgy, and so I'm just going to, I'm just going to, you know, get the water close and just let him make his decision. <laughs> it looks like I done peppered this fish with some, some seasoning. And right now, this fish, it is, it is gasping for oxygen. Right now, this fish, it is, it is laying very limp because it's, it's starving for something. 
And what do you think I need to do with this fish right now? Somebody tell me. Put it back in the water. Y'all can clap for the fish. Yeah. Hey, listen, listen. Many of you were more concerned about that fish than you are about your neighbor. That as much as that fish needed to be reunited with the water, so it is with someone that doesn't know Christ. They need to be reunited with their maker. And you can't just sprinkle some food on them. You can't just set hope next to them. The cause that you would open your mouth, you would share your life, and you would make known the mystery of the gospel, that there's a God that is perfect and holy and righteous in all of his ways, and there is a mankind that is sinful and broken. And the mystery is this, is that you can be united with God once again, even though you're broken, even though you're a sinner. And the only way you can be united with God is by putting your faith in the finished work of Jesus on the cross. And so God's called us to share the greatest story ever told, to be a witness. Why? Because people are floundering and they're gasping for hope. What does the witness do? He shares. She shares the gospel. She shares her testimony. And God and his might and his hand that is not short, it can reach down into any situation. It can grab people and put them back where they belong. But where do we do this? Wherever you are, both here and there. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for tonight. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for how clear it is. God, I thank you for those that have gone before us. As I read through the pages of history, those that have laid down their life. I think of Thomas who went to India, your disciple. I think of Andrew, your disciple, that went to Italy. I think about the disciples that went to Iran and Syria and Lebanon. Think about your disciples that went to Ethiopia but also think about those that faithfully worked the ground in Jerusalem. And all of these years later, and across continents, here we are in the middle of America, in the heartland of America, and the call still remains the same. Oh, Holy Spirit, would you fill us? Oh, God, would you save us? And then would you let our lives live for no other ambition for that other than making your life and your love and the gospel known. God, help us to be found faithful witnesses in our Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I thank you for my friend Josiah that took a risk to come and start a ministry for an abundant life and all of the people that are a part of this church that have paid for these seats that we sit in tonight and for those that have afforded us the opportunity that lies ahead of us. And for the hundreds and thousands of young adults that have joined us over the years.
to perpetuate the work of God. And I pray for thousands of more. God, our generation needs you. We need you. God, I thank you for the faithful men that worked the ground in Tyler, Texas when I was far from you. And I came walking into a space like this and because of their faithfulness, because of their faithful witness, I found you. God, I pray that we would be found faithful because our friends, our coworkers, our neighbors, they're gasping for hope. God, you've given us the solution and given us the opportunity. Help us to be found faithful. May our life be given to no other ambition. May our life be given to no other purpose. May we not give our attention and affection to no other end than to make you known. And God, may we see you move like never before. God, may we see an outpouring of your spirit that you would reach the heart of America. You'd revive your church again. In Christ's name I pray, amen.